Hey everyone, this is Chris, and you're listening to One Cross Radio, and today we are rejoined by the uh, the fantastic and wonderful Pastor Hector Mire. Hector, how are you doing today, sir? Doing good, man. Doing really good. Awesome. Hector, uh, for those who don't remember, is uh, from Faith and Fandom. Uh, he finds God in geek culture. He is also a serving pastor at a church, does some excellent sermons, uh, Two that I've heard recently that I'd really recommend is uh, the one on Captain America that's available on the Faith and Fandom podcast, uh, and the one from uh, The Last Jedi that he did at his church is also on the Faith and Fandom podcast. Uh, even if you're not that big of a fan of the movie itself, there are some great lessons there uh, about not running from your failures, uh, and I was listening to that the other day, and it was just like absolutely nailing me and just hitting me in all the right ways. So Hector, thank you for that. And again, thank you for what you do. Um, you and your whole team, it is, it is wonderful. Uh, I was chatting about it with my friends from Cardboard Koinonia the other day, and they had someone on from uh, Derek, I can't remember his last name, but the Geek Preacher on. And it was like, man, it's a good time to be into geekdom stuff if you're a Christian and have there be like, evidence of godly people into it who can find god's word in it so thank you man totally my pleasure and yeah that's one of the the great things right now it's it's a it's a good time to be in this i i'm not gonna say market but the the atmosphere of geeks and godliness at the same time it's you know just the the swell of people doing things like this in the last couple years has been pretty huge yeah, and it's been awesome for uh, for I'd say for geeks and then like people like me where I at times have difficulty reading, so I go towards a lot of comics and stuff where there's a great imagery around it. But then I'll find myself reading articles about comics and articles about movies. So then when there's people being like, "Look, there's also some really good deep godly stuff in there," whether or not they originally intended it, it's like awesome. I can now reconcile my faith with it more and find stuff that enriches me uh, and my walk more through that stuff. So it, it, it is a great time, uh, as you said. <laughs> um, so I do have some questions for you, my good man. All right. You've had a lot of stuff going on since we last talked. Namely, uh, you've released three books <laughs> since we last spoke. Has it, has it been? The, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, uh, we we spoke in uh, we recorded in January. We oh, the yeah. podcast came out in February, and then right around the corner from that, uh, Faith and Fandom Volume Five was released. And uh, thank you so much for that shout out. It was uh, it was heartwarming. I was ecstatic. My wife was laughing at how joy joyous I was over it. She's like, "Be excited! This is awesome!" But you're like a little kid right now. It's it's hilarious. Um, so yeah, thank you for that. That was awesome. Uh, you've also released Faith and Fandom Junior, and then 10 Things I Learned from Sucking at Student Ministry, which is a wonderful book. Uh, I haven't read Faith and Fandom Junior. I have read Faith and Fandom Volume 5 and 10 Things I've Learned. Both are excellent books, so dear listener, you should check them out. Uh, and 10 Things I Learned Sucking at Student Ministry was excellent because it's applicable to people who are new to ministry people who have never 
or who are ministry vets and even you can learn from it if you're not in ministry still those are great lessons that you can apply to other jobs um so what was the process like for each of those because they're three different books and then uh what were some of the responses like man um with i'll go with five first um five was really just for me um i don't know it's i kind of get in this uh mindset usually it's just the cyclical thing of uh come summer is con season for me it's a lot of traveling it's a lot of big shows and so my goal is always to have a book ready for con season and um just because and it's not even for the sake of even really having the book out as much as it is a lot of our cons have repeat people where there are people who show up year after year to the same shows like uh, a lot of the shows in my area I've been going to for like a decade and um and you, you run into the same people you develop a con family and or there'll even be people that see you for two or three years in a row before they'll ever even talk to you and so it's like those guys are still here um and so I try to have something fresh for con season each year just because if someone walks by my table and it's been a year since they've seen me and they already have everything on my table, they probably won't even stop. Um, and so that's been kind of like the goal with that. Just it's to keep it fresh for that. But uh, with five, personally, I think five is my favorite one, but I don't know if I say that for everyone or not when it comes out. Um, uh, but five has been my favorite just cause I feel like five has like the most solid mix of anime, sci-fi superheroes, uh, comic books, uh, new and old. I, I feel like it's the most well-rounded book, um, in some senses, but, uh, I was just really satisfied with it. Really happy with how it turned out. But, uh, Usually the process is I'll start taking notes as early as May or June and uh, and uh, of what's going through my heart or mind in that process and I'll make notes and they'll whether they're video devotionals on the Facebook page or just a couple sentences in scripture in my journal um I keep a separate journal for faith and fandom just to make notes down and uh so with that process I'll do that and I eventually will go back to uh, look at my notes or look through the memes I've posted throughout the year to see, like, like what really hit me. And uh, so that usually I'll take notes until, like, October or November. And then uh, usually November to or October to somewhere between October and February, I try and write the process out. And it was a good, it's a good process. And... You know, it's one of those frustrating things when you know you're coming towards the beginning of summer movie season and you're you're publishing a book, but you're about to miss the entire summer movie season, and people are gonna have to wait a year. It's like uh, I think I think Infinity War came out like the week after or something. I sent this to publication. Um, I was like, oh no. Uh, but what's like with uh with book five? Um, there's a Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two chapter in there that I'd already done as a church service at a Myrtle Beach, South Carolina Comic-Con, but I did it 
like last May, so it's been a, a little over a year. Oh, nice. So some of this stuff sits around for a year waiting to be in the book, and then some of it's literally like 30 seconds before I send it to the publisher to get ready. But uh, it, it was a good process for that. And then um, with the student ministry book, I uh, it really hit me that uh, this past year was the first year I wasn't over a student ministry um, since, since I was like 16. And uh, I'd been in over a student ministry for a long time in one capacity or another. And uh, it really hit me with that. And then um, I was driving home from a Comic-Con in Wilmington, North Carolina, and just started thinking about it and thought it could be a good resource uh, for others. And so uh, I literally just turned on a microphone uh like a text-to-speech situation while I was driving and, uh, and like, spit out the ten ideas of it, like, just on that drive. I basically fleshed out the whole rough draft of the book, um, in my mind, at least, on that drive home and uh, put it out for that purpose just to help people in student ministry. And it's, it's not discouraging. It's just one of those things that, you know, I built a... I took the last five, six years building a network around faith and fandom. Um, this isn't a book for that. So it's, so it's like starting a new network. Um, and because I'm also not actively in student ministry, it's like, I'm, I don't really have that many places to put it right now, but, uh, I've had some churches adopt it. Uh, there's a church in Raleigh, North Carolina. That's, uh, Every student intern they have, it's required reading, and they have to write a process about it. Nice. And uh, a lot of other churches I've seen pick it up. And so there's there's been a really good response to it. But uh, and that's the other thing. I I always feel bad for authors, especially independent authors, that don't have a Comic Con esque outlet. Because if if the success of Faith and Fame depended on online sales, it wouldn't work. Um, because you know we we have some people obviously that find us on the internet and you know that they go from there but the majority of readers are people that uh have walked by a comic-con booth and picked it up there and so with with the student ministry book you know outside of a few church things and missions fairs it's like not a, a lot of places to put it out there are a lot of student ministry conferences but it's like uh you got to know you got to know certain people to get into those to set up books and then like uh even in our area there's a big uh Baptist state convention annual meeting thing that it's basically like a comic con for old baptist pastors <laughs> and uh I go to it every year um because they give out cool free swag um and but you know I try to uh get a booth there this year um and you know so in exploring that process it was uh one there's a like waiting list that's like a year long uh uh two it's six hundred dollars for a table which the most expensive con i do is three hundred dollars um and uh so that's a lot and then three you're not allowed to sell anything. You can only uh, put it out there for people to see it and maybe make orders after. Um, 
because Lifeway is the only one allowed to sell things at this conference. And I'm like, I can't mess with you. Um, so it's just like, I can't do this. Uh, but it's a good process. It's a good resource. And honestly, um, I keep a couple copies of it behind the booth at Faith and Fandom um, at shows. And if I hear someone say, oh, I'm a youth pastor, blah, blah, blah. I could use this for my student ministry. Um, I'll pull that one out and just give it to them. Um, because, you know, put it in good hands and resources. So I, I think that one was just more cathartic. Yeah, less of a, a mission-driven goal with it like, than it is with Faith and Fandom. It was just something put out. And then just honestly with the junior one, and, you know, for the record, the junior one doesn't have any new chapters. So it is uh, just the books, the chapters from 1 through 5. Um, uh, but it's mainly all the PG down chapters. Um, because, you know, even on my own criticism level, there's a... Uh, you know, there's a lot of kid stuff in some of the books, but all the books aren't kid friendly in the sense not not that I'm like dropping f bombs in the chapters or anything, but just the fact that uh the the source material isn't for kids. Um, like there are kid some of the these Bible studies on like uh you know Game of Thrones or Breaking Bad or stuff like that. Kids, one you they shouldn't know what that is, and um. And two, uh, they if even if they don't know what it is, um, that just means they're gonna have to skip it, uh, skip over that chapter. And uh, I wanted to put a volume together that an eight year old could pick it up and read the whole thing. Um, so that's and that was kind of the gauge for what I put in there. I literally looked at the source material. and I'm like, okay, will my eight year old get this reference? Um, and so. You know, there's My Little Pony and Power Rangers and Ninja Turtles and uh, Moana and Kubo and the Two Strings, Big Hero 6. Um, and then, you know, there's some Last Jedi and some Batman and Wonder Woman and stuff like that. But uh, it really was just more about making uh, a volume that a kid could pick up and at least know the what's referenced. But, because... I, I'm fully aware that some of the nerd content of these books is like way nerdier than the average nerd, and um, and so e they're grown adults that don't get all these references. So um, yeah, we want. I just wanted to do one that an eight year old could pick up and read the whole way through. That's that's awesome, man, and uh, I love that. Even as you lifted listed off some of those, I I was just thinking like, it's really cool that you can take chapters that you can put in a book for eight-year-olds that they'll get like wonder woman power rangers and stuff where the power rangers one maybe go like yeah because because power rangers is awesome uh but then it's like you these are characters and franchises that appeal cross -gener generationally and it's great that 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 can be done so kudos thanks um so you actually answered my next question as you were talking about, because I was going to ask, when did the 10 things idea generate? Um, but that was really cool. Uh, after doing that, do you think that you might start doing more kind of ministry or non-faith and fandom books or? Um, yeah, uh, th there's that idea. Um. My wife and I have actually been kicking around an idea about a marriage book. Nice. Um, 
Um, because we've I've married uh, seventy three couples, um, so I've done a lot of premarital counseling, and um, my wife and I do a lot of couples counseling and stuff on those levels, and um, it's one of those situations just like with ten things we have a book outlined. It's 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 there. It's just not typed up. Um, and we, we already have like the titles and the chapters and everything. It's just, we haven't committed to doing it. And, um, but, uh, it's going to be called together or not at all. And, um, it's based on a doctor who reference. Uh, <laughs> uh it's not going to be a super nerdy book, but I'm not saying you won't come across some things. Um, but like, uh, there's, uh, it's based on a line from, uh, Karen Gillan's character, uh, Amy Pond in, a. Season seven, I don't know, like episode nine or ten. There's a um, a uh, episode called "The Angels Take Manhattan." Yeah, it's the pond's last episode. The pond's last episode, and um, unless you count the twelfth regeneration, um, but I bet that was only one pond. Um, yeah, yeah. Rory wasn't there. <laughs> Rory wasn't there. Um, he was on Broadchurch, being a, a good pastor, but uh. That line where, uh, you know, they have to basically kill themselves to save everyone. And um, the doctor uh, runs out. He says, what are you doing? And uh, Amy responds with changing the future. It's called marriage. And then uh, as they jump off the building, they say together or not at all. And, um, like, my wife had actually gotten me a... uh, kind of Gallifreyan looking wedding ring that had that inscribed on the inside. Oh, that's um, awesome. Um, and so I was like, when, when that happened, it kind of put the idea in my head and, um, you know, it, it might be a borderline faith and fandom ish crossover type deal of like, uh, one of the chapters was going to be called 10 points for Gryffindor. Um, <laughs> about make sure what you're doing is for your team for your marriage, for your union, because if you're doing the right thing, it's going to bring your marriage stronger. If you're doing the wrong thing, it's going to take away from it. So, um, in the same way that, you know, you do think the wrong things for your house and hire Harry Potter, it's, it's going to either affect you positively or negatively. Um, so we have some stuff like that, you know, a chapter about avoiding, uh, <laughs> it's a really obscure reference, but, uh, there's a, a Christian hip hop group called social club or social club misfits now. And, um, uh, they've got this ridiculous song called watch out for the pineapples. Um, and, uh, it's uh, a pineapple by social club standards are the people who get too close to you with ill intentions. Um, so it could be, uh, stalkers. It could be, um, people that are trying to get into the wrong place in your marriage of like trying to alienate affection or trying to become a temptation. Um, and it, it's this really dumb song is like, but they're watch out for the pineapples. <laughs> and, um, uh, and it's, it's just, it's silly, but, uh, you know, we would have a chapter about that, about, you know, doing those things. So that's the idea we've had, but in a like full disclosure, transparent discussion, the only reason we haven't put it out yet is because marriage is hard. Yeah. And, uh, you know, every time we've gotten close to being ready 
to put out this book in something our marriage sucks <laughs> and and it's like do i really want to put out a book on marriage if we suck at marriage right now um or if marriage is really hard and you know if the book ever does come out it's probably going to have a preface hey we might be divorced by the time you read this oh, <laughs> oh no and uh and like that that legit would be the preface but it's like we might be divorced by the time you read this but we really hope not um and so that's the that's that's the that's one book and then um I kind of have a uh, a suspense-ish maybe horror idea uh is that is the that is the appropriate labeling of it but it's one of those things that I would completely have to write under a pseudonym just because uh, I would never want it associated with faith and fandom, or me, or me. Um, so, you know, uh, but you know, I'm gonna leave the details there with that one. But I, I, that one's got a really fleshed out idea too. But uh, um, that's obviously not for that whole crowd, and you know, but I, I, it's one of those things that I think could get me like lynched at the same time. So. Uh, so, yeah, but I've, I've had those ideas, um, and honestly, uh, the student ministry book is super small, comparatively speaking. Um, it's, it's a real quick read, and even doing that, though, was a lot of uh, added pressure on, as a writer trying to do both. And even more so, is added pressure on my editor and uh, the team putting it together, to because we literally had um, about a less than a two week turnaround from the time he put that book in my hands to the time I'm giving him book five, and I was like, um, so uh, you know, I handed him book five. I was like, all right, chief. You got six weeks. Um, you got or two, three months. I forgot what it was, but like, uh, I gave him a rough draft of uh, book five by um, the first of March, I think. And I even gave him a countdown. If you do it, if you edit this many chapters a week, you'll be at this point, and this point, and this point. And you know, and uh, my editor Timmy uh, sadly has learned a lot of his ministry and life. Uh, prowess from watching me so so he does too much and he has he has too much going on and he ends up uh trying to fit everything possible in and then you know it's one of those things where instead of breaking it down over a three-month period he's doing it in like a week and a half and he was late by about 43 minutes sending it in um, by my deadline. So it's one of those things like, um, you know, I have to realize that if I'm going to want continued effort, at least from the team I currently work with, um, I'm going to have to not overburden them. Uh, but on the flip side, uh, if I'm not wrong, this will be the five will be the end of the the cover theme that we've had kind of going across the first five 
Um, and uh, Vincent, uh, who's my booth sidekick, the guy who does all of our art for our boot, like for prints and stuff, he had never really messed around with a digital coloring or digital art or anything like. He's always a pencil and paint person, and um, so I told him the idea I wanted for the kids' book. And he said, well, I'll work on learning how to do this digitally. And um, so he sketched it out in pencil and then did all the coloring and stuff on a computer and scanning it. And then, you know, the whole process of, oh, it's too tall here. You've got to lower it here um, and all these things. And so he, he got a good learning curve doing this book. So um, I'm pretty sure that... Uh, he'll be better equipped to do it but then also you know i i pitched the idea of the book exact the book cover to him exactly like it is now because that's what i wanted and instead of doing what i asked he uh spent like a month doing this full-blown portrait that had a fully realized maui um a uh like a fully realized uh rainbow dash and so he put full-blown images of all these characters on the cover. And I'm like, bro, Disney will eat me. <laughs> I was like, please don't do this. And, um, you know, and so he's like, oh, yeah, copyrights. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Disney Disney don't mess around with copyrights. Especially not on their imagery. Um, and I'm, I'm like, so I was like, he's like, oh, yeah. So we had to start back over with that. Um, but we do have a really great print, though, of um, what that could be. But uh, so that was the process. And then just a, a funny thing I think you'd appreciate. Uh, the kids book was the worst process as far as getting published. Really? Because and you'd think it'd be the easiest because all the stuff pre-existed. Um, all, you know, all I had to do was like, boop, 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 copy, paste, and format it correctly. And, you know, that took me literally two days. Um, so it, it wasn't like I put a year of my life into that. That was like two days of formatting. Um, everything was already edited. Everything was already done. I just had to type up an intro and outro and call it a day. Um, well, um, the book got flagged in publication and the process was shut down to the point where I wasn't allowed to finish the book because uh, CreateSpace, my publisher, does an automated, uh, let's say, filter that looks for plagiarism. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. And so Faith and Fandom Jr. was shut down. Because I was stealing from the guy who makes Faith and Fandom. <laughs> uh. um, so I had to appeal the process. I, I had, and you're not allowed to talk to that department because they don't want to be manipulated. So you have to send in legal proof. Of everything belonging to you and that you wrote these things and I had to send publication dates and order numbers and my copyright license and all these things and it ended up being the hardest process to publish a book I've ever experienced and then we went through all of that process because this past weekend was Raleigh Supercon it's the 
the biggest show I do. And um and I I know my audience in that region at least and they wanted that book. Uh so it made it down to the flipping wire of the books were arriving uh about eight hours before I had to leave. Oh man. Like down to the wire. Well then I get the email uh tracking thing that they lost them. So the books were published, the books were printed, the books were put on a truck with the US Postal Service and shipped from Charleston, South Carolina, which is seriously a three hour straight drive from point A to point B. Like I could make that in three hours and there, you don't even have to turn. It's on the same road. They lost it. Like somewhere between point A and point B and they have no flipping clue where these books are. They disappeared from the face of the earth to the point that my publisher is like, we don't know what happened. We'll send you more. Well, it's a two-week shipping process, so the they I just didn't. I had one copy of that book for this show, and and it was the one I had personally purchased on Amazon, because um, it can get there in two days. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I put it on a shelf display, and then we had someone that literally wouldn't leave my booth until they had that one copy. So I sold my own personal copy, and I'm like, it's a little lived in. I've already flipped through it a bunch. Uh, <laughs> but they wouldn't leave without it. So, yeah. And But then, but wait, there's more. You'd think it if I did all the proving process to create space, which is an Amazon company, that Amazon would be satisfied. No, no. Um, then when it came to Kindle... And I submitted the Kindle. It got flagged again. Oh my gosh. And I had to do the entire process over again just to put it on Kindle. And at that point, I'm like, you know what? I don't know if I even care enough to put this on Kindle. But I did it and it happened. And um, yeah, so it was a rough process, but it was, you know, learning curve. I don't see myself doing a compilation book again <laughs> for at least... For at least five years, because I don't want to deal with that. Yeah, no kidding, man. Well, it, and if they could have like gotten you on the phone, if the process was slightly different, being like, "I am the author. I did this. I'm pla- I'm not even plagiarizing myself." It could have like cut this whole thing down. Oh my gosh, goodness. Um, all right. So my next question was, and you kind of just alluded to it. Uh, you've had a very crazy busy. Uh, season recently you've been at camps uh you've been at cons you just had the big one on this past weekend um sorry that's my dog luna demanding attention uh oh my gosh puppy uh so what have been some of your highlights from this uh past (laughs) sorry give me a sec i'm gonna have to let her out no problem all right Uh, no problem um but uh Honestly, some of the highlights have been, um, really all of the highlights usually boil down to, uh, just the interaction with people. Um, like, people are always the highlights of it, and, um, 
like usually it's what the book means to them or what it's done for them or things like that. That's usually uh, that's usually the big win of it all. Um, you know, there's like Heroes Con was a big one early around Father's Day, and um, that uh, the minute the doors opened at Heroes, Heroes is. I can say that Heroes used to be the biggest Comic-Con in North Carolina. Um, but the, the one this past weekend just killed it. Um, uh, but Heroes averages about 30,000 people over three days. Um, it's the largest physical show I do. Um, like It takes up the most space. It has the most vendors. And, um, you know, and things like that. That uh, when Heroes opened up, day one, first day... Within the first five minutes of the show, there was someone at my booth who had literally come, gotten early line admission and everything just to pick up the books. Um, so, like, the you know, literally, the only reason you would get in line early at Heroes Con is if there's a comic book writer or artist that you want to get in line first for. Because Heroes Con is the con you go to if you really care about comic books. Um it is not a pop culture show. It is not your typical Comic-Con. It is only comic books. Um, so every major comic book writer in the world usually ends up at Heroes Con. Um, like, legendary people. So the fact that someone got in the early admission line with all those people just to pick up my stuff made me giggle. Um, but it's it's the reality of, uh, you know, just kind of that we've, have established a firm place in this um that as you know okay like i with this past weekend and there was a lot of highlights from this this was one of my best shows general period this past weekend but uh you know one of the things that i saw was that they put the the finding god and geek culture panel of at this big comic-con at 8 30 at night like, the show ended at 8. And um, so I was like, when I first thought of that, I'm like, oh. I was a little wounded. I was like, I was like, man, am I so bad that you got to put me, you know, after the show was over. Um, but I didn't have the right perspective of it because um, they treat their hours, their evening hours, like prime time. So they say... So they save all their big stuff for after the show is over so it can be fully attended. Nice. Um, and I, I can say this, you know, this show has more people, this Comic-Con has more people attending it after the hours than most Comic-Cons have people attending it during. Um, <laughs> there were, there were like 10,000 people in the building after the show was over. Um... And so, like, you know, and it's, and it's, they put me in the lineup with some really, I'm not going to say weird things, but things that I'm like, okay, didn't see myself ending up here. But, like, um, so the Faith and Fandom panel was at 8.30. Um, at 9.45 uh, was a full-blown stage production of the Rocky Horror Picture Show um, featuring two of the original cast members. So two of the original people from the movie were doing the production. Um, and so I was the warm-up for that. Um, and then on the other side of the building, 
uh, while Rocky Horror was going on, there was a uh, uh, Queens of Combat female wrestling thing where they had... <laughs> Where they had a full-blown wrestling ring, and they did a two-hour show, like, WWE style of wrestling. And, um, and then, immediately following that, was uh, what, there was a dance party going on. Like, a full-blown dance party DJ, thousands of people raving, and a burlesque nerd show. What? And so, I'm like, okay, alright. Why am I here? Um, you know, but you know, the fact is, you know, we we've kind of earned of a place. Not that we've earned it. We've, we've I'll say favor. We've ended up in a place where we get have been put in some really favorable opportunities. And um, you know, it's it's really the the fact that you know they put me in an eight thirty time slot, which I thought was ugly, and then it ended up being. I, I, didn't, I haven't done math on it, but I'm pretty sure it was one of my most attended or my most attended Faith and Fandom panel. Um, um, so it's, it's just kind of crazy. Um, but then, you know, it's, it's, it's always the same thing. It's the people. It's the fact that the people, uh, it, this matters to them. Um, it's that we are put beside other artists that, uh, you know, there's I'm always sandwiched between two other artists and artists alley. Uh, doesn't matter the show. I'm usually sandwiched between two other artists, and ninety percent of the time, there are people that aren't on our same belief structure. They aren't about the same way of life we are, and so you know, they're stuck hearing me talk about Jesus for three days straight. And um, and I, I guarantee that everyone at the booth beside me by the end of three days can tell you my whole spiel when someone walks up to the table. Um, because I remember my first year, I was beside a dude that made coasters. And uh, I can tell you, it's made from this grade resin and heated to a temperature of this and it can hold temp destruction, blah, blah, blah. I can tell you his whole coaster spiel by the end of day two. And I guarantee these people hear me. And, um, and but... We also, you know, try and love on them and be kind to them to the point where, you know, we give Christianity a good name in comparison. Um, but then, like, so we, we that, but we end up also becoming, like, uh, family or uh, the ministerial staff of a con. Uh, where, you know, we have people in Artist Alley that will pray with us or... That they'll come talk to us about their marriages, or and, and sometimes it's not even artist alley. Like, um, I had a cosplayer that came to find me specifically to talk about some stress and anxiety she's been dealing with, and wanted me to pray with her. So it, it it's it's things like that that um are still the highlights. But uh, I got to <laughs> again favor of God. I don't even know how else to describe it. They put me right beside Tom King this weekend. And um, Tom King is currently the writer of Batman. Um, um, and uh, he all, before that, he did Vision. He's also doing Mr. Miracle. Um, but Tom King is on issue 53 of a 100-issue series. Um, and I can say wholeheartedly, he is the best Batman writer of my generation. Uh, 
I, w- I would say before that, Jeff Loeb. Before that, Scott Snyder. Um, Grant Morrison was pretty decent. At a, I was a fan of Grant Morrison, but Scott Snyder and Jeff Loeb were better. Um, but Snyder, I'd say, was the closest equivalent. But this guy is the best Batman writer out there. And um, they put me right beside Scott, between, beside Tom King. And um, uh, when I posted that I was beside him, uh, some of my friends over at Geeks Under Grace, I'm not sure if you're familiar with them. Okay. I Sorry, I found their website recently, and then uh, I saw a bunch of articles they had written about Avatar The Last Airbender, which as soon as I start reading those, I'm like, I love that show. I need to revisit it. Um, and now I hit up their website weekly. Good. Um, but, uh, I, I've worked with geeks under grace before on a lot of things. And, um, like one of their main dudes saw, he's like, I, he said, I hope he left on my Facebook that he hoped I would be a positive example of Christianity to him because, uh, he had had a negative response with, from Tom King at a show in regards to faith. And, um, and so like, uh, I went up and, uh, there's a there's a Wonder Woman and Batman story in book five of Faith and Fandom, um, and he wrote that. Uh, well, he didn't write the the Faith and Fandom part, but he wrote the story that it was based on. And uh, so I took the two issues of that story and had him sign it. And so as he's signing, I'm like, "Look, man, this is my favorite story you've written." And uh, he's like, "Really? Everyone hates this." And I'm like, "No, this is my favorite one." And I go to tell him about how much it meant to me that he wrote a story about integrity and a story about faithfulness and how much it meant to my 10 year old daughter that wonder woman and Batman kept themselves pure in a situation they didn't have to. And, um, you know, I told him all this stuff and he's like, man, that, that made my day. Uh, and so, and you know, after he signed the comics and I told him, all, I was like, look, I, I write this uh, series of essays on faith and geek culture. Um, and I wrote one about this storyline. Would you mind signing a copy of this book for me? And he's like, you did what? Um, and uh, like, so I told him about it and I showed it to him. And he just sat there and looked at it. And like on the middle of the first page of that essay, it says, if you're not reading Tom King's Batman, you need to fix your life. Um, <laughs> and I, I showed it to him and he signed it. You rock. And, all this stuff at the top of it. He was generally kind of like taken back from it. And, um, uh, so then at right when I'd walk away, he was leaving for the day. I was like, Hey, um, I don't want to push this on you cause I don't know where you are. And I don't know like if this is something offensive to you or anything, but I'd like to give you a copy if you'd be down for that. And he's like, I'd like that. So I gave him a copy and, um, then, uh, I didn't really go to his booth a lot much more that weekend just because, um, obviously he's busy. Um, but, uh, they, a lot of my friends were in line to get autographs cause he was the most visited comic book writer there. Uh, one of my friends, uh, two days later snapped a picture behind his booth and my book was with his stuff. Nice. Um, and so they sent me a picture and it's just really cool. He's, there's a banner of Tom King with Catwoman art and like right under it is a stack of comics in my book. And, um, so that was cool. Um, I, but it also, you know, 
I had nightmares from that I had gotten a cease and desist letter from DC Comics this morning. So, you know, it's one of the it. That's like I legit was waking up, like reaching over to check my phone to make sure that wasn't real. Um, but yeah, but I mean, it's things like it's the interactions with people that make it great, and um, that's it. Awesome, man. Well, thank you for sharing those stories, and uh, hopefully that'll. I don't know uh, Tom King. I, I don't know him as a person, but hopefully through that story, it'll uh, the Lord will plant a seed or something. Uh, that'd be the most ideal. Yeah, really. Um, so you actually just answered uh, my next question. Yes, I'm good at that. You are. You are. It's wonderful. So I'm actually going to jump ahead to the, the one after that. Uh, since we last spoke in January slash February... Uh, what have been some of your favorite movies? Because since then, I know the bi- the biggest the biggest two I think have been uh, uh, Black Panther and Infinity War. We also had Ant Man, but there's been a bunch of movies because it's no longer summer blockbuster season; it's a year round blockbuster season. There was Deadpool two in there as well, uh, and I think going by your Instagram, you've also seen um, Teen Titans go to the movies, which I'm looking forward to seeing. Uh, yeah, so. Um, so, favorite movies that I'm, I'm browsing through 2018 movies right now. Um, wow, I didn't realize Infinity War was 2018. Yeah, I guess it was. Um, huh. So, uh, Ready Player One. Um, it's one of my all-time favorite books. Uh, and it means a lot to me personally. And I hated the movie on first viewing. Um, to the point it made me sick. Um, like I, I walked out of the movie theater discouraged. Um, but just because so much was changed and it's like they took an eight season series on Netflix and crammed it into an hour and a half movie. Um, but, uh, I went back with it just to enjoy it without being the book. And honestly, like it's very enjoyable as long as you're not trying to compare it to the book. Um, so that one I didn't enjoy at first, but it became a big one for me. I enjoyed that a lot. Um, my wife and I really enjoyed A Quiet Place. Um, the John Krasinski film, Jim from The Office. Um, uh, but he wrote it, produced it, directed it, and starred in it with his wife. So that like that was really neat to see just him make that vision a reality. Um, Deadpool 2, uh, The Juggernaut. That's all I'm, I'm saying. It's like... Uh, spoilers, sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, a little late for that. It's been out over a month, I think. Yeah. I think that's the, the, the... At least that's my comfort point. Like, alright, it's been a month. Now it's on y'all. Like, we're talking about it. Yeah, I, I give it two weeks, uh, generally. But, uh... They did that. They did the Juggernaut right, and that made me super happy. Um, I'll also say this: the soundtrack was fantastic. Uh, um, I've DJed a bunch of weddings since then, and uh, every wedding I've DJed since then has featured the Deadpool Two soundtrack. Um, because uh, you know, "In Your Eyes" by Phil Collins, uh, "All Out of Love," "Air Supply," uh, a gorgeous acoustic version of "Take on Me" by Aha. Um, and so, like, I've been using that nonstop at weddings and stuff. Um, let's see. Solo was okay. I wasn't wounded by Solo, but at the same time, I don't think I'd, you know, buy it. I don't think I would. 
Um, and I think it, that's the... I don't think I... Maybe I bought Rogue One. I don't even know if I bought Rogue One. If I bought Rogue One, I haven't watched it. Um, but it's... I don't know. It was good. Uh, but I don't know if I'd like rewatch it a bunch. I, was, I saw it in theaters twice. And uh, it was one of those things... When the day it came out, I was on a church pastor retreat. And... Um, I was like, and that was a condition. I was like, look, y'all, if you're going to have me out here on a Thursday night on this retreat, we have to watch Star Wars. Uh, it's like, because like, it, I'm, a, I'm a, if it's at all possible, opening night person. Um, and uh, so I watched it with my staff. Well, after I watched it, I'm like, ah, poop, I'm going to have to watch this with my kids. Um, and uh, so it's like one of those things I would have, I would have skipped, uh, watching solo a second time to have watched deadpool 2 again um uh incredibles 2 i enjoyed um but uh yeah it, it was a little more adult than i really was hoping for with my kids but uh at the same time it, the villain was also super predictable uh and that was discouraging to me that it was that predictable out the gate but uh they also had uh, Saul Goodman from Breaking Bad as one of the main characters, uh, so that made me laugh the whole time uh, just hearing him. And uh, I, my favorite surprise part of the movie was uh, the fact that the Underminer was such a beast. Um, you know, when the Underminer popped out, you know, fourteen years ago, I was like, "Oh man, this kid's corny. He's gonna. This is a lame villain." And then he actually beat the snot out of Mr. Incredible, and that made me happy. Um, I swear it was out with that. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp was fun. I, I, th I thought Black Panther was the most well-done Marvel movie, um, but not the most entertaining. Um, I, I would put it as the Marvel equivalent of Wonder Woman. Um, that it's extremely well-done. It's extremely well made, great vision, great execution. It means a lot to different cultures of people that haven't been represented well. But if I want to watch a fun superhero movie, it ain't that. Like, I would I would watch a Guardians movie any day of the week over Black Panther for just the sheer popcorn value of it. Um, but, yeah... Uh, there's that. I did, uh, Teen Titans Go to the movies was hilarious. And, um, I don't think I've heard my wife laugh that much out loud in her, our adult life. Um, like, uh, she laughed at that way more than I did. But the great thing was, uh, we went on nine o'clock on a Sunday night. So that's not exactly kid movie time. And we were the only ones in the theater. And so we could be super loud and, uh, my kids had the ball just yelling along with the movie and stuff. And like, uh, I was like, it was the first time Superman started talking. I'm like, is that Nicolas Cage? Oh my gosh. They made Nicolas Cage Superman. And like flip it out about little things like that. And, uh, the fact that, uh, Deathstroke in this movie is Batman from Lego movie makes me, um, and, uh, well, our Matt, uh, Good old Will Arnett. Yeah, Will Arnett, man, he's 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 a gym, and uh, so that and Stan Lee, man, um, Stan Lee's an awesome person. Um, and uh, that was just you know that there's a lot to it, and uh, there's a big post credits reveal, 
that actually will matter to a lot of people. Um, there's a whole generation of people that are going to be really excited about the post-credit reveal. I'm not going to say anything, obviously, because, you know, it's not that soon, but definitely. It was fun. Uh, Infinity War, I've only seen once. Um, wow. Right? Um, uh, I'll probably be hitting up a dollar theater to see that again. I was just like, it was discouraging. I mean, I get it. Um, it's supposed to be a discouraging story, but I'm like, my my daughter ugly cried for a hot minute. Um, my oldest one, when she uh, when when she loves Gamora, and like when they chucked Gamora off, she literally just laid down and ugly cried in the theater. And um, and so dealing with that, I was just like, wow, this this was not fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I think that was just simple. It I was like, this was not fun. I don't I don't care. Um. Yeah, but I'll probably watch it again. But yeah, that's that's some movie thoughts. I don't know. Yeah. Hey, fair enough. Thank you for sharing those, man. Um, the Infinity War surprised me the most because I was like, all right, he's probably seen it at least two or three times. Uh, but your feeling from that was kind of the, that's the feeling my wife and my family had when we saw Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Like at the end, we were just like, that was rough. It was just like the the dinosaurs and life or death captivity for the whole thing. Sorry, spoilers um, for like the whole movie. And we just like, we just got Luna a couple months ago and we had to put one of Jill's parents dogs down recently. So maybe it was just that, but come the end, we were like the Brachiosaur scene in that movie made me tear. Like I was crying. I was like, Oh, six year old Chris just got kicked in the crotch. Like it's the first dinosaur we saw. And then just the life or death stuff the whole time. I was like, I'm good. I don't need to see that movie again. It was, it was just rough. It was upsetting. <laughs> and then, and then obviously the ending, like I, I heard people at Comic-Con this weekend. That was a horrible life choice. What are they doing? <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Well, they, they, they need to go somewhere. It can't just be the Island over and over again, or we'll see what happens. But, uh, well, they kind of did that in part two, didn't they? Well, yeah, it was riffing off a, and the marketing for this movie was ridiculous because it was three different trailers making it look like three different movies and they had like 17 new scenes in each and then the movie was much better than it looked. But yeah, part of it was we're going to take the T-Rex going to the mainland from the Lost World but blow it up even more. So now there's all this stuff, which I, I didn't hate that. Like, I saw the... I was 10 when The Lost World came out. So it was like a T-Rex, like, chasing cop cars away. I was all for that. 10-year-old me loved it. Um, So last two questions, my good man. Any ongoing uh, comic or manga titles or miniseries that you'd recommend? Uh, all right. Uh, dead... Okay, it's not either of those, but I'm gonna say watch DuckTales. (laughs) <laughs> um, I grew up with DuckTales it was a thing for me but man this series is super well done um, and they do a lot of throwbacks for old school fans like they brought Darkwing Duck into it um, um, and, but it's one of those things like the opening of one of the episodes uh, shows all the Darkwing villains like committing a crime and like you see Darkwing pop out and I'm literally like freaking out and screaming at the tv um and uh you know but then it just turns out they're watching a movie of darkwing duck 
And I'm like, I hate all of you. Um, but that was great. And then, like, Gizmo Duck is Lin-Manuel. Uh, the guy who wrote Hamilton. Uh, the guy who, uh, you know, is, uh, he did all the music for Moana. Um, he was also Albion House for, like, three episodes. Okay, I didn't see that, but we know him from The Electric Company. Like, the PBS Kids show. Um, where he would do, like, alphabet songs. And, like, our kids, our kids' favorite song from the Electric Company is Silent E is a Ninja. <laughs> and it's, it's like, it's like Lin-Manuel crawling around through the city streets. Silent E is a Ninja. And, like, doing all that. So, um, it was bananas. But, uh, Lin-Manuel plays Gizmo Duck. Um, uh, David Tennant, do- the doctor, is Scrooge McDuck. Um, Catherine Tate uh donna from doctor who is one of the main villains oh my gosh and um and i just met Catherine tate this weekend um yeah i saw uh, that picture um so uh yeah all of that uh ducktales is great my hero academia manga and anime totally worth watching love it um tom king's batman is fantastic um they just did a giant rickroll of uh they Spent two years promoting that uh, Batman and Catwoman were getting married. Um, but uh, Tom King says the entire 100 issue arc is going to be about Batman and Catwoman's love story and this isn't over. Um, but uh, after they don't get married, uh, everybody, nobody isn't really talking about it. But after they didn't get married... The next scene, the the last page shows every villain from the first two years of this book all cl- together, um, and it's villains that have never worked together before, um, on a on a major level. And I was excited about it. Um, and the writing is still great. So the writing for Tom King's Batman is awesome. Um, I'm enjoying that. Uh, Vision, no, not Vision. I'm sorry, Mister Miracle by Tom King is being good too. Um, I don't, those those are my big ones. Um, my my kids and I get together each week to watch Ducktales and My Hero Academia, and uh, Red Hood and the Outlaws has been great. Um, and they're about to kill everything that the book is, and um, I'm not quite ready for that, but uh, uh. Red Hood and the Outlaws has had several iterations. Uh, they they first started out like back in the day with um, it was uh, Starfire and Roy Harper Red Arrow, and it it just wasn't that good. Um, I'm a Jason Todd fan. Red Hood is my favorite, and it just wasn't that great. But what they've been doing is they have a Dark Trinity. Yeah, DC has DC has their Trinity of Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. Well, Red Hood and the Outlaws. Was their dark Batman as Red Hood, their dark Superman as Bizarro, and their dark Wonder Woman as Artemis. And man, it played out so well. But they're about to do this thing where I don't know if they're going to kill off Bizarro or they're going to do whatever. But uh, it's going to end with uh, Jason being uh, uh, ostracized. Uh, Batman's going to be against him now. And he is going to go ultra-violent for a while. Um so, you know, I'm sure it won't last that way forever, but they're about to take a sharp turn with it. Um, so I'm interested to see what that plays out. And, uh, yeah, uh, 
When we talked before, did I t- did we talk about Judas? Did I mention Judas to you? Uh, no, no, but I heard your podcast about it, um, which definitely got me interested in it. And that that would be a one. It's only a four issue book, um, but they actually are releasing the whole thing in a trade format next month. Uh, so the whole it's a but uh, that's that's one of the most interesting reads to me personally, um, encouraging wise and just a good discussion point. So yeah, those would be my recommendations. Awesome, thank you, man. And then the final question is, uh, how can we pray for you, dude? Uh, we are, um, as a family, we've just been going through a really busy season and we just need some rest. Uh, so that's that would be some good time of that. Um, like this is, the, this is the one season where I don't have a major project where I'm working on. So um, normally this would be my season of rest. Um, like once I publish the Faith and Fandom book, through the summer it's just you know camps and stuff and that there's usually that's my time to breathe but this summer we've been doing church construction um and so i've spent every day that i'm not out of state or something for the last three months doing construction and um so like we just haven't had rest and um you know to the point where my kids are hanging around construction sites and uh it's just been exhausting and um Prayer for that would be awesome, but uh, just for what this new season is heading us into. Yeah, definitely can do, uh, and I'll be doing that. And dear listener, if you are a Christian and especially like a, a prayer warrior, prayer prayer warrior type, I struggle with words. Uh, please keep Hector and his family in your prayers with that request, especially for rest and heading into the new season. Uh, also, listener, if you haven't had the chance to check out uh, Hector's books or anything like that, you can find them on Amazon. Uh, they're available in Kindle Kindle and paperback. They are excellent books. I, I recommend all five of them and the, uh, and the uh, 10 Things I Learned from Sucking a Student Ministry book. Uh, they have a great online presence. You can find them on Facebook at Faith and Fandom. You can find them on Instagram at uh, Faith and Fandom as well. And podcast on podbean and are you on any other networks sir i think i'm on itunes um uh it's one of those you know i like doing our podcast but i don't do a lot of checking and maintenance uh, our feed was our feed was set up to go into itunes and to google play so um a lot as well as podbean so they should be there and if they're not at some point soon i will check and make sure they are Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us again, man. It is always a pleasure to uh, to actually chat with you. I know we get to interact online a bit, but close to in person is always great. So thank you for taking that time out of your busy schedule, man. No problem. I appreciate it. Awesome. All right. Well, Hector, I hope you have a wonderful day. And dear listener, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and be sure to check out Faith and Fandom and uh, pray pray for Pastor Hector and his wonderful family. Thanks for listening and God bless, my friends. Take care. 